Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton. I'm joined today by Weekly Standard Associate Editor Ethan Epstein, who's been following the case of Otto Warmbier, Otto Warmbier, who died Monday after being returned in a coma from North Korea. For those who haven't followed this story, and I imagine most people have, but let's just get the basics. Who is Otto Warmbier, and how did he end up in North Korea in the first place? Well, I, I mean, I'm sorry to say uh, Otto, Otto Warmbier was um, a college student from the University of Virginia, and about 18 months ago, he uh, went on what, to my estimation, and I guess uh, is now obviously true, an ill-conceived trip to North Korea. He went on a group tour uh, to North Korea over New Year's, and uh, on the last day he was there, he went out uh, reportedly on sort of a drinking binge with some of his buddies who were also on the trip. And he made the spectacularly bad decision to rip down a propaganda sign in the hotel in which they were staying. Uh, and in fact, this was actually caught on video. Uh, the next day, as he was preparing to fly out uh, out of North Korea and into China, he was actually detained in the airport. Uh, he was subsequently um, put on trial. And uh, of course, this is audio, so you can't really see that I'm putting scare quotes on trial. But it was you know, a complete show trial. It lasted all of one hour. Uh, Warm beer confessed to his so-called crime, and he was uh, sentenced to 15 years of hard labor. After that, he basically went radio silent. Um, his parents had no contact with him. Uh, the U.S. government had no contact with him. Uh, we asked the uh, the Swedish mission in North Korea because we don't have an embassy there to, to check up on him. Uh, the Swedes were never granted access to him, so he basically completely disappeared. Uh, until last week when he was actually uh, repatriated. He was brought back to the United States, but uh, tragically, he was essentially in a, in a vegetative state by the time he got back here. And, uh, you know, they obviously did a big full medical battery of, of tests on him when he got back. And it turned out that uh, he'd in fact been in this coma since shortly after that trial. So through that entire period where People were wondering where he was. Why can't we get in contact with him? He was actually uh, incapacitated, which, you know, a terrible shock. Although clearly the North Koreans were keeping close enough tabs on his state and his coma to return him before he died on their hands. It, it seems like it, though, uh, you know, I, I, I don't really think that's really going to do them any benefit, of course. And they also came up with this cockamamie story about what happened to him. They claimed that sleeping he had pill. botulism and took a sleep. It, right. I mean, and, and of course, the uh, you know, we have doctors here who can look at him and, and they and they came to the determination that that, you know, was not consistent with what they found when they examined the poor guy. It was some kind of trauma to the head, probably. Or asphyxiation. I mean, it, it was whatever it was. It was it was brutal, and perhaps needless to say, it was you know utterly unjustified, given uh, the so-called crime that uh, that yes, this foolish young man. But you know, he was foolish, but he was not evil, and he certainly didn't deserve what happened to him. Does any of this matter to North Korea? Do, is there are there any consequences for brutality? Well, uh, the 60 to 70 year historical record would suggest no. I mean, this is a country that has brutalized its own people, uh, you know, for decades. It's actually attacked other countries for decades without real retribution. Um, I do think uh, that given the posturing of the Trump administration, which has been, you know, pretty hostile in its rhetoric towards North Korea since the inauguration of Trump, that there's a possibility of some action being taken. I think the easiest one and one I've actually been arguing for for years would be to do a travel ban. Uh, you know, don't let Americans go there anymore. And uh, particularly if North Korea is going to, 
use uh, the, the tourists that go there as, you know, basically tools that it can take and then sort of extract things from the United States for, then, then we shouldn't grant them that ability anymore. Who are the American tourists at this point who would even imagine going to North Korea? Well, I have to imagine that this is going to, you know, put a crimp in that industry. And in fact, uh, Young Pioneer Tours, which is the um, the Beijing-based tour group that actually brought Auto to China, or I'm sorry, from China to North Korea, has now just announced that it will no longer take Americans. It will, however, take you know Europeans, Australians, whoever else wants to go. But even if I were, you know, a uh, a a Swede or something, I think I'd be thinking twice about going to uh, to North Korea at this point. And it's obvious that that people go there. Uh, as a form of sort of misery tourism. Like, you know, it, I guess there's a certain novelty, they think, in seeing as benighted a country as that is. And, you know, I think that's sort of morally suspect in and of itself, let alone um, the risk that these tourists are obviously taking by going there. Are are there any options for Warmbier's parents, his family, to to get any satisfaction? You know, I hope, I, I don't think, there really is. I mean, I hope, and and I'm not trying to sound. I hope they found some satisfaction in at least they now know what has happened to Otto. Because, you know, I read some interviews uh, during that interregnum where we didn't know where he was, where where they hadn't had any contact, and they sort of described the agony of just not knowing. Now, obviously, uh, the conclusion is just horrific, but you know, I, I hope that uh, there's there's some form of resolution um, as far as actual you know legal recourse or anything. Uh, regrettably, that regime has appeared to be pretty much untouchable. South Korea has been making efforts to become more friendly with North Korea since a new president has come in. Does this affect that at all? Well, you know, North Korea is making it really difficult for the new South Korean president uh, to actually pursue his uh, his agenda of engagement. Uh, engagement, of course, being code for kissing up to the brutal regime in North Korea. You know, since he's been elected, they have not slowed down their pace of shooting out missiles. Now they have this warm beer uh, issue. So even though the uh, the South Korean leadership wants to uh, you know, warm up to North Korea. North Korea has basically made that politically impossible for the South. So this is, you know, as someone who opposes engagement, I'm almost grateful that North Korea continues to fire off missile every week, uh, just because they've made a return to the sunshine policy basically impossible. Ethan Epstein, associate editor, thanks so much for joining us on the Daily Standard podcast. Thanks a lot. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard podcast. You can get all of our podcasts at weeklystandard.com, or better yet, subscribe at iTunes or Google Play. Go to either of those fine services and search for Weekly Standard. That way you'll never miss any of our podcasts, including the Crystal Clear podcast with Bill Crystal every Friday, and the Confab with me, Eric Felton, every weekend. Catch you next time.